0: Are you a female leader in your industry? You've probably worked your butt off to get where you are. And when you look around, you might still not see that many of you. Thankfully though, the world really is changing. Just maybe not as fast as we'd like. I still wonder though, what do we need to shake it up even faster? Can a village of like-minded peers offer enough support to actually break through those ever-present barriers? Let's take a look together at the impact that business communities can have on your career, and of course, because this is a marketing podcast, particularly on your marketing career. Hi, I'm Sarah Spence. I grew a content agency from just me to 20 people inside two years. So you'd think I'd have my shit together. And even though I try to come at everything with a rebellious curiosity, I've been so focused on growing this thing but I'm a bit behind in the trends. Join me on this journey to find out what's actually happening in the world of marketing. Welcome to the Content Rebels. Women in business, successful women, women leaders. It probably shouldn't feel as groundbreaking as it unfortunately does, but here we are in our modern world, still pushing ahead and smashing those glass ceilings in many ways still for the first time. So what happens when women start to excel in traditionally male-dominated areas? And how important are the actions of other women to helping make that happen? Cherie Rubenstein knows the power of lifting women up.
1: (gasps) Really what it is, is just surrounding yourself with others who are on a similar journey.
0: She's a founder and CEO of One Roof, a business community for wildly ambitious women, of which I'm proud to be a member. But like so many, what Cherie first dreamt up was not what the business looks like now.
1: I spent the weekend thinking about it, crying over it, and then called them all on the Monday and said, I'm returning every dollar to each of you. I'm going to pivot.
0: More on that online pivot shortly, but first, let's find out how One Roof came to be. I started my
1: career in corporate law, which probably wasn't right for me, but (laughs) there I was. And I just very quickly found that the messaging I received was that being a career-driven and ambitious woman, um, you know, being a woman in this world can impact my chances of success. And I found that very frustrating and I kind of used that frustration and turned it into a passion. And I realized I started doing a lot of volunteering work in particular with Fitted for Work and with the Victorian Women's Trust and there are a few others. And what came to light for me was that entrepreneurship is an incredible path for women to be able to um, gain financial independence, to close the gender gap and to really create spaces, environments, workplaces of diversity and where women can truly thrive. I guess that was the beginning. And so OneRoof really started as kind of networking events. That was me dipping my toes into entrepreneurship by bringing women together and creating a space for women to chat and learn. And then over time turned into a co-working operation through testing this idea and kind of, yeah, running a test in an Airbnb home and testing the concept across Australia and the US and building a global brand, and global community.
0: Awesome. I mean, such a good reason for being. Um, who Who is One Roof for these days in particular?
1: Yeah, so it's shifted a lot in terms of what we do and how we support people. And the pandemic had a lot to do with that change. We went from um, being the leading co-working space in Australia dedicated to women-led businesses to a fully online digital community membership network. But the who really has always been the same and the mission has always been the same. We're all about closing the gender gap in entrepreneurship and supporting women to start, grow and stay in business we are targeted to women with an idea with um, who have just launched a business or looking to scale their business. And often um, what we get are women who are looking for community, looking for connection, looking to upskill, learn, grow their business, um, surround themselves with a great network and great people. And the types of businesses and the stage of business is really varied. And we love that. We think it creates a real richness of the community and the ecosystem. And so you might be put in breakout rooms and in networking sessions with e-commerce founders or service-based providers or online, you know, people running online courses, podcasts, creatives, startups, um, you know, scale ups. Um, Yeah. And so there's a real diversity amongst the the types of women and businesses that we attract.
0: And can you give me some examples of what What happens when you see, I mean, I'm sure you've got so many success stories of women supporting other women in business. Yeah. So um, I guess as an
1: example, uh, one of our members, um, Verve Super, and they now also run Verve Money. So they are a super fund run by women for women. They launched the business at a pitch event that we ran a few years ago, and we run an annual pitch event for women founders to create a platform for them to share their businesses and, you know, um, yeah, really kind of grow their business and seek funding and, and support from the ecosystem. And they pretty much launched their business at one of our pitch events and had great success Um, and have gone on to um, see, I think they've got over 7,000 members now. I don't know the exact number, but it's pretty huge Um, with a huge number of funds under management. um, They've launched another brand, they've raised over 5 million in funding and, you know, they've really lent on one roof um, and the community to find, you know, when they've got jobs open um, to find kind of uh, mentors or coaches or advisors in different Different fields and areas of expertise are really leaning on one roof for the trusted network and leaning on one roof to grow their brand, reach new customers. And so that's just one example. There's, there's thousands. Um, and I think really what it is is just surrounding yourself with others who are on a similar journey um, in entrepreneurship and looking to collaborate and support one another. And so together we can help kind of elevate one another and, and work through business challenges and raise each other's brands.
0: Yeah, cool. And that's so great. It's such a good example of it's not just, you know, these kinds of communities uh, and the need for community, particularly in women-led businesses, I think is, it's not just for that initial kernel of the idea or even just as they start to scale, but it sounds like for Verve particularly that, you, you know, One Roof for that community has been relevant the whole way through the journey.
1: That's right. Exactly.
0: So how about for for One Roof itself then? Who Who are or were the women supporting you? What did that support look like?
1: Yeah, I think support is everything. The people around us have been everything. And I always say any success I have had is because someone has opened a door for me. I put myself out there. And so, you know, over the years, I've done a lot of networking, connecting with people, Have had lists of people that I like, you know, that I hope to reach out to one day and connect with, and then eventually I do it. Um, and so it's been those people who have supported me a lot, whether it's as an example, Katrina Wallace, who um, ran a ASX-listed artificial intelligence company. It was the, the, I think, second in ASX history to have a female CEO and chairperson. Um, and so, it's women like her who, you know, are way ahead of me in the game, who I have um, the confidence or find the way to reach out to them and build a relationship and then She's been on my advisory board, and then she's also a, an unofficial kind of mentor um, to me, who's someone I can call on when I'm going through challenges and ask for advice and support. But I also lean on the community a lot and ask for feedback from our members. Um, I've when I was probably at the lowest in in the business journey, I pulled together a group of friends, mentors, a few members, like a kind of collective of different people. And, and held a meeting one night for three hours and kind of unveiled everything, my finances, the situation, the challenges that I was having. And I just said, what do you think I should do? Should I walk? Should I keep going? Um, this is what's going on and I'm not holding back. And at the time I had investors. And so I felt like I had to hold back on things that I was saying, whereas in this room, it was like, here's everything. What should I do? And so creating spaces like that has been a game changer for me. And so we try to do a lot of that within the community, creating spaces for members to be able to test ideas or present challenges and seek feedback because that's, yeah, been everything for me in my journey.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's so true. And I loved, you said that, you know, every success you've had is because someone opened a door for you. I challenge that and say, yeah, sure. Someone opened the door, but you're the one who walks through it. Yeah.
1: You're a hundred percent right. And actually also I'm the one who's out there looking for it and asking. And so and and that's right. And I, I shouldn't discount that. And and you know, one great example is when we set up one roof as a co-working space in south bank in melbourne that was i didn't have the funding to do it and so i was just talking to anyone and everyone i could and i had this vision and this idea that there would be a landlord who would offer us a you know discounted rent and people were like you're crazy why would anyone offer you a cheap you know rent situation and i just kept asking and then Lo and behold, a landlord came along who was like, Well, we've got this space. We're going to demolish it. We're waiting for permits. What you're doing is amazing. Let's talk about, you know, an agreement. And that was an 18, 18 month lease that turned into four years of building, you know, the leading co-working space in Australia for women. So you're a hundred percent right that it's about us putting ourselves out there time and time again and the persistence of it um but yeah it's still someone often opens that door and then we walk through it
0: more power to those of us brave enough to walk through those doors however they're opened the fact is the world has always worked on relationships and it's often those relationships that open those doors as we say or just offer encouragement even It's never just as simple as one day deciding you want something and then being able to buy it or build it. Most businesses and creative ventures are made with the help of many ongoing relationships and a lot of support. Alongside those relationships is also seizing the opportunity because the truth is you can't even know the doors are there unless you're looking for them. And then someone might show you one, but you have to be the one brave enough to walk through it. No matter what it looks like from the outside, it's never easy for any of us. In fact, as you're about to hear, for Cherie to continue to walk through those doors, she was going to have to make some really difficult decisions. And that all started when so many other businesses had to pivot as well. In 2020, when that annoying virus, COVID, hit.
1: We'd been really successful with this space and, and had about 180 tenants. We had a 200-person event space. We had like over 100,000 people in and out of the space every year. So I turned something that was meant to only be an 18 18- month lease into ended up, which ended up being four years into this thriving kind of hub for women, which was incredible. And I had to work really fast because I never knew when my time was up. So maybe that worked in my favor in a way. And then off the back of all of that, I was able to raise capital. So I had a group of incredible investors, um, predominantly who who were mainly women. um, And they were really excited by what we were doing. And so The the funding was to go to opening a new flagship site in Melbourne and then to keep growing. And the idea was to have spaces all around Australia. Um, The issue that I then started to run into was I couldn't land a new site, probably because I didn't raise enough capital and rents were just going up. And I found myself in this like struggling because I had a vision that I wanted to achieve and it was going to be epic. But then financially I was struggling to kind of hit that vision. And so basically what happened was we were asked to vacate the building. With our 180 tenants and all of our, you know, events going on, um, and we hadn't landed a new um, location, which was what I kept telling investors, "Don't worry, we'll have another space. It's all going to be fine." And we didn't. And within a few months, I had to pack up everything. I had to help all our members move somewhere else, and we literally went from um, a million dollars in annual revenue to zero overnight. And then you can imagine investors looking at me going, cool, so we've invested in a business that basically no longer exists. You're now a co-working operator with no co-working space. So what is this business? And I just kept saying, I can do this. I'm going to make this work. And then of course I was pregnant, about to have my first child. Um, And then I'd actually signed a heads of agreement on a site in Cremorne. So it was like a really beautiful new building, a lot of financial risk, to be honest, um, but I was ready to go. And then the pandemic hit and that just put a halt to everything. And within a few weeks of that, and then I had my baby as well. Um, investors said to me, look, Cherie, obviously these are unprecedented times, but you need to make a decision. Like, what are you doing with with our money? And I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say, I'm confident with what I'm doing with your money. So i I called them, I spent the weekend thinking about it, crying over it. And then called them all on the Monday and said, I'm returning every dollar to each of you. I'm going to pivot to an online membership. Everyone's on Zoom right now. I'm going to take full advantage of that. I'm going to start basically from the ground up, build revenue, get members in, and I don't need your money for for that. And I'll reach out to you in the future if I'm looking to raise capital again.
0: Did any of them stick around or did they say We don't know what's happening. Cool. We'll have our money back. Thanks. They were
1: happy to take their money back and then they were open to um, reinvesting in the future. But at the time, I didn't have a clear business model. And so I wasn't interested in taking on their money either. I needed to pivot and build it and see what it was before I could confidently say, here's what I'm going to spend your money on and here's where we're going to go with the business. So it worked both ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And rebuild your confidence, too. Like, that's just, yeah, it's massive. Um, but life obviously now feels very different. One roof's very different. You guys have had particularly a lot of changes this year, 2023. Uh, you've just rebranded. I'm loving the new brand. Uh, can you talk us through that experience? Where How long ago did you even start it? the rebrand took a full year.
1: So basically, um, one roof. so we went online, we launched as an online membership for entrepreneurial women. It was very scrappy. It was like, you know, low code kind of plugins and things. Um, And we just realized over time that it was clunky and the member experience was clunky. We really wanted to fix that. And at the same time, we wanted to create a much better member experience. And at the same time, we felt like, the branding that we had was when we were co-working, but now we're online. We're pretty much a different business and brand, so it's a great time to rebrand and represent a new, you know, version of who we are. Um, and so we went through with a company called Formulaic, and they actually did our new website, our rebrand, and a new member portal. So it was huge. I thought it'd be done in three months, but you know, most entrepreneurs think they'll get things done much quicker than they do. It took us a good year. And even then, we were scrambling at the end to get it live. Um, But it's been an incredible experience and we're so happy with it. And I think the most important thing for us was showcasing the digital element of who we are, showcasing a kind of like grown up version of us that's still fun and playful and warm and friendly, but just a bit more consistent and a bit more grown up. And then also creating a much better and improved user experience for our members. So we now use a platform called Mighty Networks, which has really got um, the two key things that we offer, which is the community side and um, the education piece. So in this platform, you can create a profile, you can connect with other members, you can ask questions like a Slack channel and and chat through there. You can register for all our events and masterclasses. You can find all our masterclass recordings. You can book calls with all our coaches and experts. Um, and so, and like there's this great platform that we can just keep adding to. So there's just constant content being uploaded to this new portal all the time. We're still in the migration process, which is huge. If anyone ever wants to talk about migrating members or customers from one platform to another, I know all about it. And that's been a lot. We've probably still got about 300 members to move over. Um, So that's a bit slow, but it's happening. And I'm really proud of what we've done.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but it also sounds like that. That change specifically, moving everything into that, into a new portal, into that new space, is also decreasing the reliance of third-party channels like Facebook. Because I know you also have a thriving Facebook group um, that's awesome, but of course all of that data and all of that interaction, all of that community is is like building a house on quicksand because Facebook changes the rules all the time and you're not in control. You're you're taking back that ownership, it seems.
1: Abs- that's exactly right. And at the moment, we still have the Facebook group because it's super engaged and we don't want to jeopardise engagement. That's number one for us. But yes, the idea is that this is an all-in-one platform and eventually it'd be great if everyone moves over to it and uses that solely as as the place um and it really does have everything and um gives us greater ownership over yes every all the content everything that we're doing and over our community
0: very smart decision thank you um so what's then since the launch particularly what's been working for you guys in terms of marketing one roof and you know driving new memberships and things
1: yeah, we we base our content year on um, marketing campaigns and we find that that always works really well. So, and we know the kind of seasonal um, times where we get more, um, an increase in membership signups. So for instance, end of financial year is a, a big time for us where people are thinking about buying business expenses or kind of getting things in before the end of financial year and putting it as a tax deduction. So we did a big marketing campaign for that. We had photos redone, um, and we kind of focused on a particular theme. So it was all about your village and the idea that um, we all know it takes a village to raise a child. We hear that you know story, that that saying all the time. But it also takes a village to build a business. And we and so we had these amazing photos done of women balancing in the juggle of like you know being on their phone and their laptops, but also attending to a child or a dog or shopping or, you know, all the different kind of um, things that we juggle while building a business and then um, women being there to support one another. So, that was super successful. Um, and so, yeah, we we those marketing campaigns, always coming up with different themes and concepts and ideas and then bringing our members and our community into those marketing campaigns is, is what's most successful for us. Um, I am also looking at doing a a more of a hybrid model next year. We have a bit of it now, but, you know, I've obviously said we're an online membership, but we're not in a pandemic anymore. People don't just want online, so there is more opportunity for in person. And so we're looking at launching a series of boot camps next year. One day boot camps that will be in person that will run around the country, and we see that as a as um, another way to support women, another revenue stream, and also a great kind of lead gen where people hear about One Roof, they come in person, they feel the experience of us supporting them through a business challenge or helping them launch an idea. And then hopefully they want to join the membership.
0: And, you know, that really beautifully supports the goals you have for your community anyway, which is to to build community, to build support. Exactly. Uh, and that is, I think, yeah, as much as I don't mind it, but it, I think we're all a wee bit tired of the Zoom. Yeah. And, uh, the in-person stuff. We definitely don't want to do it all the time, but like, it's nice to have it peppered
1: throughout the year. Yeah. I think that hybrid approach is where we're all going, you know, we want to go to in-person sometimes. We also want to see things online when we can't get there and we just don't want, yeah, we want both. So we're really, it, it's a constant lesson for us as I'm sure it is for most people. We just have to keep adapting. Like things just keep changing. The consumer behavior, the way that we operate, the way we work, the way we interact with other, one another the way we do business keeps changing. So one roof has to keep changing. So we're just constantly evolving.
0: This year we've seen a fairly significant economic downturn. Um, I know it's particularly hitting small businesses pretty hard right now. In the context of the rebrand, has it kind of diminished where you hoped it would land or has it actually helped because you've been able to be a bit more creative or to kind of push the boundaries a wee bit more?
1: Yeah, it's probably a bit of both. Like I, I guess when I did the rebrand, I had a false idea in my head that we'd do this rebrand, launch it, and then thousands of women would just join the membership and I wouldn't have to do anything. And it's a very humbling <laughs> reminder that business requires the hustle. And it's so obvious to me that if I'm not out there hustling, thinking of ideas to sell, wait, you know, doing these marketing campaigns, trying to push things, get people into the membership, it's not happening organically and and it's it's not enough to keep the business running. So that was a, a big reminder. Um, and that's probably also coinciding with the fact that the market is more challenging. You know, businesses, we have had members close their business. We've had members get part-time jobs again. We and and we'll see that all the time. Like it's cyclical, it's going to happen we probably all, you know, we obviously all post-COVID went through this wave of like, wow, business is going great. And we're all just like, people have money to spend and there was so much happening. And then now it's all equalizing a little bit more. I do feel this is a point in time where we just need to weather the storm. Like we're we're definitely being impacted. Our members are definitely being impacted. So it does feel a bit deflating, and it's a period of time that we've just got to manage through. Um, but I guess at the same time, I'm lucky that now it's an online membership. I don't have a physical space. My overheads aren't huge. You know, it's it's not like it was. I haven't invested a crazy amount of money in the way that I had to with co working, and so and we've got this new portal that allows for scale. And so we've just got to keep coming back to, I think this is a time for us to be laser focused. And I would say that for most people, like this time is all about getting laser focused. What do you offer? What makes you different and stick to it and don't, don't say yes to shiny objects and shiny, exciting things because it's not the time for that. And if it's not supporting the core business, it's just, yeah, it's, it's distraction. So that's what we're really trying to drill, drill into at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, what can you let go? You know, it's almost like, you know, (laughs) did your, did your mum ever do that, It'll teach you that thing as you were growing up where, you know, if you're getting ready to go out for a night out, you should like turn around quickly in a mirror and you should take off, you know, the three things that dangle the most or whatever. I think it was like that kind of saying. It's like the stuff that, you know, always take off one thing just to to keep it a bit more streamlined. And I think that's, we all need to do a twirl in front of the mirror with our businesses and go, okay, what can we, what can we unload for the moment? Because it is a period to to tread water. I think, and to, to make it through and there'll be good days again in the future, uh, which
1: is good too. Very well said. I agree.
0: Let's all do, let's all do 12s, <laughs> mirror 12s. I don't, this I'm going to do it. <laughs> yet again, I've gone completely off track with some weird metaphor that has gone a bit skewy, but anyway, um, how about, you know, when, when the time comes again to perhaps not be so, uh, laser focused, what's an area of marketing- that you're keen to explore that you haven't dipped your toe into yet?
1: So a key um, area that we're looking at is AI and how can we use AI to better tailor our platform and resources to our members? And also at the moment, we just have one membership, but we're looking at having a tiered level of membership based on, um, and not necessarily different pricing, just more like a different um off slightly different offering based on a different stage of business. And so then it will be easier for the content that we have to be um, suggested and tailored to where you're at. So, really, like a Netflix where you finish watching a show, whether this is good or bad for net, you know, for shows, I don't know, but then it's like, here's some suggestions of what to watch next. So, I think that will be really interesting. And then we want to position ourselves as, as an aggregate of all the resources out there that support women in building businesses. So not just our own. So something that we're really trying to work on is gathering um, programs, podcasts, special offers of others and bringing that into our portal to allow for that concept of an all-in-one platform. Um, yeah. So there's some some key things. And then as I said before, that um, the series of in-person boot camps, and that'll be There'll be three streams, I think. One will be if you're starting a business, one will be scaling a business and then there will be an area for angel investing because we think that could be a really interesting play as well for women to learn how to get into angel investing and then to to kind of give back and support other women-led businesses.
0: So perhaps if some of our listeners uh, don't know, can you explain kind of the workings behind angel investing and maybe how that differs from other kinds of investments as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So angel investing is really... um, it's seed investing into an early stage business, and seed investing is um, providing a small amount of funding to a business, to a startup, typically to um, help them launch and then kind of scale. And so, um, founders who pitch to scale investors might get a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars of investment, maybe even less, maybe it's 50,000. So it's kind of at the lower end of the investment journey. And it's very, it's, it's high risk because a business is at their very early stages and, um, but you're getting in, you know, at a, at a good price because they're going to have a low valuation. It's very early on and you're there to kind of watch the business grow. So, um, Supporting women to understand investing um, and how they can invest early on, even if it's lower amounts and ways that they can do that, I think is is a real game changer so that over time we see more women um, investors and then that will likely lead to more women-led businesses being invested
0: in. Of course, more women investors means more women-led businesses and more women-led businesses mean more women in leadership. Which doesn't just impact on the glass ceiling or reduce the gender pay gap, although it does that too. It means there are new ways to think about how businesses are run and what they offer. Look, it might've happened anyway, but my gut tells me we don't get brands making period underwear without women in leadership. We don't see financial institutions that care about people and profit unless there are women leading that charge. Having more women steering the ship in this funny old world of ours is so very important. And while I'm on that, what about women leaders? Sheree spends a lot of her time interacting with women who are leaders in one aspect or another. I wondered what she thinks about female leaders and whether they do fundamentally lead differently.
1: I think there is a feminine way of leadership that that um a lot of women tend to um, possess that feminine way, not to say it's only women, but, um, and not to say it's all women, but definitely there is that feminine way that is different. And I think that that feminine way is very obviously more empathetic, more compassionate, leading kind of from the back rather than from the front and being kind of aggressively, you know, outspoken and telling people what to do. It's it's more about taking the back step and supporting and guiding, um, listening, caring. Um, and then I think there when it when it's a feminine approach, it has a lot more about impact. It's not just growth for growth's sake. Um and there's a really good article I read recently that um, talks about the difference between a unicorn and an elephant business. And a unicorn is that, you know, one in a billion um, business that is the best at what it does, growth at all costs, go hard, um, you know, money-driven Um Whereas the elephant, which I think a lot of women and women business owners will relate to, is so much slower and and more considered. An elephant, you know, they live a long life, um, and so it's kind of that all about that longevity. They've got a really good memory, and so they remember kind of things about their customers, their employees. You know, they're very social, very sociable creatures. They are crucial to our ecosystem and to the animal kingdom. And so, you know, they're not just thinking about themselves, they're thinking about the world and how they fit in and how they can support others. And so I think that's a beautiful metaphor that so many women relate to and and they're real animals and there's lots of them. And it's like, I think a lot of women in the business world um, are wanting to build um, sustainable businesses that have impact that do good that support their their staff that support their customers and their members, and it's not just about being that one in a billion just for the sake of it. And I think that's really speaks to a lot of women is really indicative of what drives us and and the kind of leaders that we want to be
0: mm. and the kind of businesses and the the path of business growth, I guess as well because it's it takes a lot of energy to grow. Um, I know you would know that from experience, and I, I know that from experience, especially growing quickly. Um, but being that, you know, strong, steady, uh, you know, leader to to lead through long term growth, uh, you know, you can't be a mythical creature, in know, all- as a unicorn. In order to make that happen, you do need to be something more sturdy. You need to have a sturdiness, a confidence in yourself as well. Absolutely. I'm um, I'm hearing so much in our conversation here about you know the importance of relationships. You know, we talked about it, like, the importance of connection and um and relationships not just between women in women's businesses but all all round really how do you see that female relationships really positively impacting beyond just members supporting one another what do relationships mean in the whole the whole picture i guess
1: i guess like relationships as we've said are crucial to how you build your business and you know you can't build a business or a career in silo and think that you know you can be an asshole and get by or you don't need to make friends and get by so it's just yeah i think relationships are everything they really are and um and how you kind of respond particularly to situations where things go wrong and and i see this Played out you know, in our with one roof and between members and things that happen. Like if you, you know, make a mistake, it's how you manage that and how you deal with those issues. It's how you support another member um, and open up an opportunity for them. I think a very feminine approach to relationships is is about understanding the other person and building rapport, not just coming up to them, pitching something, and saying this is what I need from you. And so I think if we You know, take that approach to relationship building. You build these long, really nurtured, fruitful relationships that you don't necessarily are looking for it to be strategic or get something out of it. But often that is what happens. And I've seen that for myself over and over again. Like there's someone I like, I want to connect with them, I want to learn about them, I want to be friends with them. And over time, maybe they've become an investor or maybe they've opened a door for me. That wasn't the intention. But that's the, you know, that that's the beauty of what can happen from building these relationships. So I think if you go into these things with an open mind and a curiosity and an interest in others and understanding them and their needs and seeing every relationship as a opportunity to connect and learn and support one another, then that's where the magic really can come from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is is also the direct opposite of I guess older networking networking styles that I mean I was at an event last year and it was a, a awards announcement thing and it was very it was very lovely and there was lots of good chatting and lots of good mingling and everything and I don't know how this happened, but this gentleman then came up to myself and my colleague while we were having a conversation with another another couple of people and said, oh hi my name's I can't remember what his name was Um, and proceeded to shove his hand into the group and shake everybody's hands in turn. And then as as he'd come away from shaking his hand, he'd hand the business card over. He'd be like, I'm here from this company, this is what we do. And I was just like, What?
1: (laughs) It feels deeply uncomfortable and it is definitely not the way to build relationships and, and connections. And most of us don't do it that way. And it's funny because I think in the past a lot of us felt like, oh, I'm not good at networking because I don't do something like that. But it's actually that's the approach that someone takes that turns other people off where they go, I'm actually gonna I'm not interested in connecting with this person. This feels really inauthentic, fake, just not right. Um, And it's a great example of when it doesn't work. I will say the flip side though, and I think this is really important, is that while you're there, open, connecting, building rapport relationships, it is important if someone in a networking situation actually asks you what can I do for you? How can I help you? What do you need? And, and you know, often I hear people say, oh, I don't know or nothing and we all need something. So, I think you've also got to have in your mind ideas of what it is that you're asking for when that opportunity arises and and taking advantage of that opportunity. And then the relationship yeah. builds not just in the moment that you met, but it's afterwards. It's the nurturing. It's the getting back in touch with them and saying, how are you going and what happened there? Or if somebody opens a door for you or makes a, an introduction, letting them know what happened with that introduction and thanking them, giving them a gift if they introduce you to a client. Like it's, it's that ongoing um, level of connection that's, I think, where the magic really is.
0: Absolutely. And just, I mean, as you said before, it comes back to actually just genuinely giving a shit about people. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, just genuinely being curious and interested and not always being in it for yourself, which I think is an interesting, you know, especially in this time, um, you know, people need things, people are feeling the squeeze, but you can still be interested in others and you can still follow up and you can still ask for what you need. I mean, that's a great, I think, even. At the very basic level, it doesn't matter if we've got a business or if we're in-house uh, at a brand or whatever, the, the basic thing that you can ask for if someone says to you, hey, what what do you need at a networking event or something is just to say, Hey, can you give me a recommendation on LinkedIn? Because that's well, no matter where you go in your career, that's going to be beneficial. Um, and it's so easy. It's much harder for someone to, you know, think of someone they could refer you to or, you know, share project details with you or something like that. But asking for something simple like that is a good place to start too.
1: Yes, that's great. And being very specific. We we run these meetup groups where we get women to put them in breakout rooms and they get to, uh, or we do it in person as well, and they ask for what they need. And we give tips on when you when you're asking for what you need, make it so easy for a person to help you. If it's like, if they say to you, I would love to make an introduction to X, you know, it's like follow up with them afterwards, send them an email and say thanks so much for offering. Here is the draft email so they don't need to think about anything. You've done all the work for them, written it in the third person um so that it's ready for them to send. Like you need to make it so easy for someone to support you and help you and then guaranteed there's we all want to help, we all want to serve. That's what we're there. For. That's how what we makes us tick, really.
0: Relationships, leaders, stepping up and helping others. These are some of the best reasons for women to be in business communities together, aren't they? And when you look at the One Roof story, starting from an all in-person space and then moving to be solely online, it's those moments that make or break us. And it's so often the strength of the community behind us that gives us that will to go on. That's the impact of a group like One Roof, where women can truly be themselves and talk about their fears, their knowledge gaps, the juggle of life in a really safe space. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and I think many of us wouldn't have our successful business babies without a strong village backing us through it all. Thanks for joining me on this journey. If you want to stay rebellious in how you practice marketing, how you show up in your workplace and how you live your life, please subscribe to the Content Rebels wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast was recorded on a Wabakul and Dark and Jund Country. Produced by Pod and Pen Productions.